and regular hanger honors just crashing on the couch whose name we don't know. Welcome to Living on a Thin Line with Tony Visick. I am Tony Visick. Uh, we come to you every day at 2 p.m. Arizona time, um, which right now is Pacific time, okay, even though we're in the mountain time zone. And I don't have time. I try to explain that every day. And the more I try to explain it, the more confusing it gets for me. Um, it's just, I know it's daytime out and it's hot and it's sunny. Um, we come to you every day at 2 p.m. our time. We are your daily distraction of all the weirdness, anger, anxiety, and hoopla going on in the world today. We're already getting some comments here. Champ de Blasio says, I see where you kind of got under our friend Jeff's skin. How thin it is. I had your back, but I don't think I did any good. No, you know, uh, it's funny that Champ mentions his name. I'm not going to put the guy on blast. Uh, named Jeff, who I met through Facebook. Uh, actually have interviewed on my radio show when I was on terrestrial radio and went out of my way one time to meet when he was in the greater Phoenix area. Um, I uh, uh, drove up to a, a comedy nightclub that I knew he was going to be at, that he knew I was going to be there and we met there. Um, his politics have become a stranger and stranger to me and to many of his longtime friends, to be perfectly frank with you, um, uh, uh, over this time. And uh, now he's just getting rid of people on his page who disagree with him. He posts, uh, uh, he put up, this is what the guy put up today. He put up, uh, uh, Barack Obama, uh, is he going to self-quarantine? He lives in D.C. and he had traveled uh, for John Lewis's uh, funeral. And that D.C. now has a 14-day uh, self-quarantine uh, rule if you've traveled outside of a district. And I, and I wrote to him, I go, so, but that wasn't really the point of your post. Point of the post was a one more try to stick your finger in the eye of Barack Obama, you know. And just let me say, you know, I don't want to get real political here. Um, and if you like Donald Trump, uh, I'm sorry. I'm not, you know, but Donald Trump is not worth the gum on Barack Obama's shoe. Now I don't know if Barack Obama has any gum on his shoe. By the way, if Barack Obama has no gum on his shoe, then that entire statement is ridiculous. It's totally ridiculous to say. Donald Trump is not worth the gum on the bottom of Barack Obama's shoe if Barack Obama has no gum on his shoe because, therefore, there's no way to make that comparison. But uh, the guy finally blocked me. He blocked me. I think what it was is he told me I was being sarcastic, and then I said, well, was it my last comic that churned your butter? That was what got me <laughs> kicked off his goofy little page. <laughs> is that what churns your butter? <laughs> That's a good phrase, by the way. Next, next time someone's like they're upset with you, you, go, what the hell did I do to churn your butter? <laughs> okay. Uh, what's going on? Uh, I'm going to have some cool announcements coming up. Uh, we are taking this Sunday off of Tony Vizic Presents. We're not doing a, uh, a Tony Vizic Presents this Sunday. We're retooling for our better shows coming up. We're going to have a big show in August on Zoom. We're going to have the roast of me. Uh, once a year, I let people say uh, not just unkind things about me, but repugnantly horrible, uh, uh, disgusting and vile things about me as a person, as a human being, about my countenance, my, my visage and the cut of my jib. And we're kind of working on having that be kind of a big deal. That'll be coming up in August and um, I'll be letting you know about that. But no Sunday night show. We are on tomorrow at 7 p.m. on Saturday. And we are on uh, Sunday at our regular time at 2 p.m. Also, 
We have a show tonight. It's Class Clowns. It's a graduation showcase for our comedy workshop. That show is free. If you would like to watch that show on Zoom, all you have to do is send me a message here. You know, uh, send me your email uh, or email me at comedyschools at hotmail.com and I will send you the link for that. Okay. So um, I'll also in the next coming days have a, a announcements about when we're returning to the Tempe Center for the Arts. We are returning to the Tempe Center for the Arts. We will return when we think that it's safe for all the all the people that we work with, all the comics we work with, all the artists we work with, all the people that like to come out and see our shows. Uh, but I will, uh, 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 I will, um, I will uh, be announcing that I had a weird thing pop up there. I'm sorry, I, I don't know what it was. Uh, some announcement. Uh, we will be announcing that soon. It is um, our intention and the intention of the Tempe Center of the Arts for us to return there uh, before the end of the year, as long as everything's safe. The way the numbers, the way the numbers are looking, I don't know. I don't know. I think, I think, and I could be wrong. I want to be wrong. I'm wrong. I want to be wrong. You know what? I want to be wrong. I think our window for being able to control this virus through testing, tracing, I think that window has shut. You know, we might be able to keep uh, things at a respectably horrible level, but as far as being able to get everything down into a small box, so that, you know, by Thanksgiving, we can all have 35 people in our house again and no worries at all. I don't know. I don't know if we're going to be having large family gatherings on Thanksgiving this year. You know, uh, I think that we're going to, uh, I think, but here's what I do think. And I know a lot of you who are watching uh, have done this. And I know that many of you agree. We are finding ways to stay close with family. We're finding ways to be able to conduct business. We're finding ways to have fulfilling lives under the most extraordinary of circumstances. The most extraordinary of circumstances. So like I said, it is the intention of the Tempe Center of the Arts, and it is our intention to be back there full time before the end of the year. I had a great meeting with them this morning. Um, but it will depend on whether I think, you know, I get... Things keep popping up. So I know you see my hand moving around there. Uh, you know what it is? People are sending me messages on Messenger. And then they pop up. The bubbles pop up. And I'm trying to move them away. And I messed something up. Um, I've gotten like five in the last uh, two minutes. Um, you sent one. Yeah, that's right. I, I know. That was not directed at you, Shirley. Shirley goes, I only sent one. I, I said there were five. You know how many you sent? I know how many you sent. I didn't go, Shirley sent five messages. Said there was five. And by the way, the messages are fine. It's not like, oh, don't send me messages. It's me and my fat thumb trying to clear them. Um, that is our intent, and I will keep you apprised of that. We do have one live show currently scheduled, live in-person show. It's in a 120-seat club in Glendale, Arizona called Stir Crazy. Tickets are already available for that show. Uh, it will be August 9th at 4 p.m. That's a Sunday afternoon matinee show. August 9th at 4 p.m. Um, tickets are already available at uh, Stir Crazy Comedy or stircrazycomedyclub.com. Only 40 tickets are available. We're not letting any more than 40 people in. So if you really have, if you live in the greater Phoenix area and you just got a real decent burning desire to see live comedy, and there's some live comedy going on in this city, uh, that's the one that we do. We make sure that we have enough social distancing 
etc. And we keep it short enough. It's only an hour and a half show that uh, we reduce. We don't totally eliminate. That's true. But reduce the risk to uh, any patrons of that fine club. Uh, don't want to tell you. Um, yeah. So, you know, okay, what's happening right now is we're not really controlling the virus. Okay. Virus is controlling us. And now I think we're at a point until we get a really, truly effective treatment and then a really effective vaccine that uh, this is the way we're going to live for a while. And I'm doing everything I can to make that a uh, positive experience for me and mine. Okay, and I hope that you're doing the same thing. Once you accept it, once you go, wow, at least days, 90 days, days, 90 days, all right, this is pretty much how it's going to be. Now, how do I make the best of it? How do I live up to my moral obligation to be happy so that the people around me don't have to be victims of my uh, negativity? Once we do that, uh, we'll be off to the races. It's already in business. You know, we're doing live Zoom shows. We're setting up live Zoom shows with companies and corporations and other entities. We're doing that sort of thing. We're staying in touch. With you find a way to get it done. You find a way to get it done. You find a way to get it done, too. Um... There, that was me giving myself a, uh, a break. We'll be right back. And now we're back. Um, this show is built around three things, ladies and gentlemen. Three things. It's built around your questions and comments um, right here on uh, ComedySchoolsRadioNetwork.com, YouTube on Comedy Schools, or on Facebook Live. It's built around some knickknack or doodad that I have laying around here in the house, uh, autograph memorabilia that I try to weave a story around. Uh, and uh, then I recommend uh, two artists or two pieces of music based on my vast and deep vinyl album collection. So today for Friday, um, I had something I was going to show you. I don't know. Yeah, I, you know, I just want to do this real quick because I want to get to the music, okay? Um, people are always accusing me of being a collector, not a collector. Oh, did I show them this yesterday? No, I didn't. All right, so what does that say? What does that say? What is this? What does it? This is the Peace and American Eagle Silver Dollar Collection. And in here, you can see people say I'm a collector of things. I don't collect. All right? Right there, you can see all the empty spaces. You see all the empty spaces. So in a, in a little collecting, collection thing here where I could have uh, three, six, nine... 29 silver dollars. I only have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight. Eight out of 29. That doesn't make me a collector. That makes me a dabbler. I'm going to accept something. I'm going to accept that I'm, that I'm a dabbler. All right? Uh, Kevin Brown says, Mr. Tony Vizic is such an amazing comedic coach that even his bobbleheads are laughing. Yes. Yes, they are. Yes, the bobbleheads are laughing at me. The bobbleheads speak to me. For those of you, uh, anyway, these are some pretty cool coins. This is uh, silver dollars from 1922, 1923, 1925, 1926. Some, uh, one of them at least almost 100 years old. And then 92, 93, 97, and 98. So um, you would think that an old coin, like a 1922 silver dollar, and, and this one's in really good shape, would be worth a lot of money. But I'm here to tell you right now, so look at these. They're pretty cool. Can you see them? 
I feel like I'm on one of those home shopping networks. And, hey, we're going to send you the whole thing right now. We're going to slash the price right now. You get these wonderful coins, they're great mementos, give them to your grandkids. Uh, grandkids don't want them, by the way. Because then you tell them not to spend them, and they go, what, what's, what's the use? Um, you would think that a very good condition 1922 piece silver dollar would be worth a lot of money, but it's not. Now, it's worth more than a dollar. Each one of these is worth around $30, $35 tops. $30, $35 tops. See, there's a little secret about silver that they don't tell you when they're advertising it on television or when you hear about it on the radio or you read about it on some pop-up on the internet. They go, silver is the new gold. Silver prices are destined to rise. And they never really do. You know why? Because it's not even really a precious metal. It is a semi-precious metal. There is so much silver in the world today. Silver goes for around, right now, around 24 bucks an ounce. Each one of these coins is about an ounce of silver. Okay? They were worth a dollar, so now they're worth 24 times that. That's pretty good. Over 100 years. Although, if you had bought, I don't know, Ford Motor Company stock in 1922, uh, it'd be worth a hell of a lot more than 24 times over. So, they are valuable, but they're not like, oh my God, that's like a real fine. But they talk you into buying it. They talk you into buying silver. You should buy silver now. Smart investors know. Now here's where, and then they have some, some jerk pitch guy on going, now here's where I buy my silver and where you should buy your silver too. From Silver Sammy's. He's the trusted silver salesman here in the Pukawaka County. And you know, and it's just, it's just some schmuck. You know, silver is worth what silver is worth. That's it. At one time in America, Congress had passed a law saying X amount of metric tons of silver had to be mined. In other words, the people that owned silver mines had bought Congress in the late 1800s, had spread so much money there, and cut so many congressmen that they passed some ridiculous law saying, I don't know, like 10 times more silver than was needed at the time needed to be bought by the federal government. So the federal government made coins like crazy. It's deeper than that. I don't want to get deep into it in the gold standard and all that kind of stuff. But here's my point. If you like silver coins and you think they're cool, great. You're never going to get rich off of them. Get them because you like them. Get them because you love them. Get them because you think it's cool to have them around. I've got a few others around. All right? But they're never going to be worth like a million dollars. Never going to be worth like a thousand dollars. By the way, if we ever get to a time in our history where silver is going for a thousand dollars an ounce, shit's really gone bad. So anyway, I got a few silver coins around I collect, so I just thought I'd bring that up instead of bobbleheads today. We still are the official uh, podcast for uh, Bobblehead Rescue. We do res rescue bobbleheads. Paul Whitney's watching right now. Uh, Paul, let me say this. I see all these pictures you're putting up of action figures. You're a grown man. You know, you're a grown man. Now, you know, you, you started your family, you know, a little later than some people, you know, when you were well into adulthood. All right, but you could be a grandfather damn near. Yeah, you collect action figures. So I don't hear any crap about me and my bobbleheads. Okay? I just don't want to hear it. I just don't want to hear it. Not from any of you. <laughs> we are Bobblehead Rescue. We rescue bobbleheads from the trash heap, the dung heap, the landfill. We're helping the environment by getting these bobbleheads before they end up in a landfill and uh, polluting the environment. 
Kevin Brown says, Tony is such an amazing comedic coach that if bobbleheads were a laughing matter, he would have them all laughing their heads off. But he can't do that because then it would depreciate <laughs> the value of his bobblehead collection. That would be true, Kevin, if I actually collected bobbleheads. But that's how goddamn funny I am. I'm so funny that I'm getting Republicans and right-wing kooks that just cancel me from their pages right and left because they can't take the vicious barbs, slings, and arrows that I'm able to toss at them with just a few flicks of my thumb. But you know what? I'm going to accept that challenge one of these, Kev. I'm going to get a bobblehead, and I'm going to tell so many jokes and see if its head falls off, and I bet you I'll find a way to do it. All right, I want to get to the music. That's, one of, that's a big part of this show, you know? People don't even agree with our politics. Tune in for the music. So uh, first thing I'm going to show you is kind of a cool thing. This album's from sometime in the late 70s, around 1977, 1978. And it's called City to City. City to City, all right? And it was done by a solo artist named Jerry Rafferty. Jerry Rafferty. Uh, most of the songs on this street, I mean, most of the songs on this uh, album uh, really don't pass muster. You wouldn't remember them. You wouldn't remember Waiting for the Day, Island, uh, Home and Dry, uh, Whatever's Written in Your Heart, Maddie's Rag, Stealing Time, uh, City to City, or The Ark. You wouldn't remember those. But one big hit you might remember if you're of a certain age, if you are of a certain age, would be right down the line. It's been you right down the line. But the monster from this album, the song that kind of took over the airways for a long time, earwormed into people's heads, only it was a good song to have earworm in your head because it had such a soaring saxophone solo, was Baker Street. Winding my way down Baker Street. Da-da-da-da. It's another crazy day. So um, if you want to check out a really cool mid-70s kind of unusual pop song that uh, has a little jazz influence, you know, its beat and its rhythm is a, a little different, slightly syncopated, great uh, saxophone uh, solo on it that just brings you from zero to 100, like, wow. Uh, Baker Street by uh, Jerry Rafferty. Interesting thing about Jerry Rafferty is that after this album, he went back to pretty much obscurity. You know, he never had a big hit after that. Doesn't mean he's not a talented guy. Doesn't mean he wasn't a brilliant guy or a great guy. He just never had another hit. Kind of like that girl, Elena Miles, who did uh, Black Velvet. One giant hit, and after that, really nothing else. Some other songs, but that was it. Some of these people put out a song that really becomes an important part of the songbook of your life, of the makeup of your DNA, of the makeup of your soul, and they never do anything else after that. But that alone means that they were important. That alone means for one brief shining moment, they had an artistry that shone through that was above and beyond what mortal people could come up with on a, on a regular basis. Jerry Rafferty had one other big hit in the early mid-70s, around 72, 73. But it was with a duo. Actually, a duo. It was a band, but it was a duo. And the duo was Steeler's Wheel, and the song was Stuck in the Middle with You. Now, for another generation, that is a song from um, uh, Quentin Tarantino's Reservoir Dogs. It's a particularly grisly scene okay, with Michael Madsen and a guy, I forget the name of the guy playing the cop. I met the guy once, though, in Studio City. Nice guy who played the cop, where he kind of tortures the cop, but he's dancing, too, stuck in the middle with you. That was Jerry Rafferty. 
One hit, stuck in the middle with you, nothing for years, solo, Baker Street, great song. Uh, wow, you know what? Kevin Brown says, Eye of the Tiger is one of those tracks. I just want to mention this, Ramona, and I, yeah, you know, we try to have fun here, but uh, Benny Mardones, or Mardonis, uh, just passed away. Just passed away. And Benny Mardonis had one great hit song, and it was uh, like the, uh, Run Like the Wind. do 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 and I run, run like the wind. Anyway, Benny Bardone, check him out. He just passed away. That was his one giant hit. And the reason I mention it when Kim Brown says Eye of the Tiger is one of those tracks is that uh, a guy named Robert Tepper co-wrote that song with Benny Bardone's. Robert Tepper wrote Eye of the Tiger, and Robert Tepper is a very close friend of mine. Okay, I've known Robert Tepper for years and years and years and years and years. Just a real kind of regular, nice guy. One of those guys that could have been a New Jersey tough guy, you know, and probably is a tough guy, but really had a heart of gold and uh, uh, really kind of, um, how would I describe Robert? Uh, a very evolved human being. Very evolved human being. He was very kind and loving, you know, that probably was a badass at one time. Great songwriter. Wrote Eye of the Tiger. Uh, no, no, no. He wrote No Way Out. That was on the same soundtrack as I, uh, that Eye of the Tiger was on for the Rocky film. No way. And he wrote um, Ride Like the Wind. So that was interesting when you saw Eye of the Tiger. It made me think of Robert because what pop rock and folk and 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 pop critic of the 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 time and pop critic of the time and pop critic of the time 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 top critic of the time top critic of the time top critic of the time tug 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 critic of the time Talking about hook of the time, 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 talking uh, in the New York Times in 1961. That's how long Bob Dylan has been an impact player in American culture, since 1961. Uh, this album has uh, You're No Good, Talking New York, In My Time of Dying, Man of Constant Sorrow, Fixing to Die, Pretty Peggy O, Highway 51, Gospel Plow, Baby Let Me Follow You Down, House of the Rising Sun, Freight Train Blue, Song to Woody, and See That My Grave is Kept Clean. So on this particular album, Bob was not allowed to record a lot of his own songs. Baby, Let Me Follow You Down was written by uh, um, a guy named V. Ron Schmidt. That might have been Dave Von Ronk's name. House of the Rising Suns, a traditional. Freight Train Blues. Seat of My Grave is Kept Clean is a Blind Lemon Jefferson album, a song. Um, 
And then, In My Time of Dying, Man of Constant Sorrow. Uh, these are arranged by Dylan. Fix the Die is by um, Bucka White. Then Pretty Peggy O is a traditional song, and Highway 51 also is that. One song on Bob Dylan's first album was written by Bob Dylan. Only one, and that was Song to Woody. A little peon, 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 how do you say that? P-A-E-N, a little uh, homage uh, to, uh, oh, Gospel Plows on here too, I'm sorry. I missed a couple here. She's no good. Oh, and Talking New York, I take it back. Two songs, two songs on Bob Dylan's first album written by Bob Dylan. But he also introduced a whole new generation to songs that then even later on were done by other artists and became a part of our soundtrack. House of the Rising Sun, way before Eric Burden, the Animals had the huge hit with it uh, here in America in the uh, mid-late 60s. Dylan had recorded it. Uh, it was, it's an old traditional song about a woman being forced into prostitution, which is why it always made no sense to me when I heard the Animals singing it. And I'm going, it, it doesn't seem to make any sense. It's written from a woman's point of view, House of the Rising Sun. Uh, also, um, uh, hold on, hold on. Um, Man of Constant Sorrow, which so many of us know from the Oh Brother Where Art Thou soundtrack, um, also is a song that um, that uh, a song that Bob kind of began to introduce well before the Cohen Brothers introduced it, and the same thing with House of Rising Sun, well before Eric Burden the Animals introduced it. It's altogether possible that Eric Burden the Animals only knew about the song because of Bob Dylan's album. So look at that. The baby-faced bard, the kid from Minnesota, okay, from the Iron Range of Minnesota, almost wet behind the ears still. I don't know if he was even in New York more than a year when they took this picture and recorded this album. I don't know if anyone, anyone, thought that he would become what he became and what he has become to so many people. But it started here. I don't even know if he was 21. So if you want to hear something cool, if you want to be a collector of great sounds inside your heart, your mind, and soul, go back and find Bob Dylan's first album, all right, and listen to uh, his version of In My Time of Dying, and um, what else would I just really tell you to listen to here? Uh, In My Time of Dying and his version of Man of Constant Sorrow, maybe Highway 51, and you'll begin to see, you begin to see the birth of what became one of the most brilliant songwriters of this or any other generation. That's Bob's first album. So I think I got to wrap it up. I think the producer just said uh, wrap it up. So uh, I'm going to wrap it up. No bobbleheads today. There'll be more bobbleheads coming. Announcements coming about live shows and a whole bunch of Zoom shows coming up. Announcements about when you'll be able to uh, uh, take our stand-up comedy workshops if you want to. This coming Tuesday, once again, I got one show before the new session starts. This Tuesday, just go to ComedySchools.com or on my Facebook page. You'll find the link. And this Tuesday, just click on the link and I'll lay it all out for you. We got that going on. Um, I think that's all the announcements I got to make. I got the uh, Zoom show tonight. If you want to see it, write me here. I'll send you a link. Otherwise than that, I'm now disjointed. I mean, this chair has been turned around the other day all morning and I've been doing business stuff all day. And then I turn it around here to talk to you guys. Then I'm going to turn in for about an hour and take a nap. And I'm going to see all of you tomorrow night at 7 p.m., okay, for Living on a Thin Line Saturday Night Special Edition. Bye-bye.